days, but also uh, our sorrows and, and our sadness at times. Um, this past week, our missionaries to Africa, uh, Doug and Beth Wright, lost their daughter, Sarah. Sarah, uh, who was tormented and struggled with mil- mental illness, is with the Lord today. And, uh, you know, it's never wrong. It's never wrong to love and to pray. Isn't that right? And Doug and Beth uh, wanted to come today and be with their family. They know their love. They've been missionaries for 25 years, those that don't know them on the, on the field and now are with us. And we're inviting them, if they would come forward with uh, any of you who would like to, to come forward and, and pray with them. Uh, they were sitting in the balcony, and isn't it good that we can be together uh, as a family? And a few of us are going to offer prayer. If you'd like to come forward, uh, we're an informal family. We uh, take the time to really love and to pray, and so we're going to do that now. Would you bow with us, anyone who would like to come? Hold on just a minute. Yeah, um, I wasn't going to say anything but the Lord was really speaking to my heart and um, showing me that you know a lot of times we pray pour out our, our hearts for a plan and expectation and uh, as we keep praying and crying out to him I believe that that plan and expectation becomes closer to what he wants and but it may not be in the same way that he plans to do it. And in the last nine months especially, we poured out our hearts to the Lord, and many, many people have, that uh, Sarah would know God's love, first of all, because she had kind of wandered from that, from what she knew before, but she came to know God's love better than ever. She told us that. And to know that she was forgiven, that her sins are forgiven, and to know that she has eternal life with the Lord in in heaven and she told us that and one of the things so close to us was she doubted our love because of the mental illness and we prayed that she would know our love again and she came to us mom and dad I know that you really do love me because no one could put up with the stuff I've gone through unless they really love me and so God gave us that too and we had prayed so much that God would set her free from this hideous illness and bring, just bring forth the, that true spirit that, of Sarah that loved him. And he has done that today. And one, one more thing. Uh, yesterday, on the day after God took his daughter Sarah home, he sent us a granddaughter named Fern Noel. And so, Lord, we're not ashamed of our tears. We are a family, and we can laugh and have joy together, and we can sorrow and have tears. We're not ashamed of our tears. We thank you for cleansing uh, the wound in our heart, because we are heartbroken, but we thank you that you will heal us that you didn't just bear our sins, you bore our sorrows. And so thank you for bearing our sorrows and healing our hearts.
Lord Jesus, when I saw that dance and that beautiful solitary dancer at the end with the cloud cascading around her, Lord, my heart said, that's Sarah. That's Sarah rising up into the heavenlies. And so, Lord, my prayer is for every family that has a person at risk, a person at risk, and that's us all. Lord, wrap your arms around all of us, and Lord, hear our cry. From the depths of the earth, we cry to you. When our heart is faint, lead us to the rock that is higher than I. Lead us, Lord. And so, Lord, I thank you for Doug and Beth and for the other missionaries who also have shed blood in this Bible translation. Lord, be with them in ways we can't comprehend. We know, Lord, that when Sarah was born, they cut that umbilical cord. But there's a spiritual umbilical cord that goes on forever. And we are a people that have this hope that we will one day again see her face. And Lord, we know that even though death may end a life here, not a relationship, it's eternal forever. We will be forever together in the Lord. And Lord, I'm as Pastor Steve comes to pray, I, I am reminded that Doug and Beth said to me that each member of this team that have developed and worked for 25 years for the Logo T people to have a Bible in their language. Every family has lost someone. And our own family, not only Sarah, but uh, Reed and um, Peppers and, and Eric uh, also shed blood. And so, Lord, uh, with with that costly offering, uh, we believe uh, you will uh, bring forth uh, great harvest. Could you agree with me in that? With great harvest, God, with the sacrifice of your son. Yes, Father, our hearts are, are heavy, and yet we rejoice by your spirit, and we thank you for your faithfulness throughout all of the generations. Thank you, God, for Beth. Thank you for uh, Sarah. We thank you for uh, Rachel and Daniel and the new life you brought into this world, even I think it was yesterday. Father, thank you for Doug and for their labors in spearheading the writing of a the Word of God, the New Testament, in a language that had not had that word before. And Lord, as they uh, look forward to even going uh, back to the Congo and celebrating with those there in, in March, would you continue to pour out your Spirit to heal them? That you would, would you use, God, that word to bring forth your kingdom in a dark place? Lord, we thank you that uh, you are the one who heals us. And Lord, we are grateful that we can laugh and that we can cry, that we can rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, because Lord, each of us take our turns 
at those places and stations in life. Lord, bless this dear family and this larger family uh, today as we have covenanted to be real and authentic and to share our life, our hopes, our disappointments, and our griefs with the recognition that you bore it all upon your shoulders on a tree. And so, God, have your way with us and continue to love us so that we might live for the praise of your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. As you can tell, Doug and Beth are greatly loved in our congregation. <laughs> they are among the very courageous of those in the kingdom of God. anyone like to preach here this morning? <laughs> Actually, I just want to share. Uh, shall I shift over to this other microphone and we'll see if it works? <clears throat> for those of you who are uh, visiting with us, thank you for allowing us to be a family and to um, experience God's not interested in his people faking it. And there are far too many places around the earth where church becomes a place where you fake it. It's easy to dress up and, and look good on the outside, but God is so much more interested in evaluating the state of our heart we just returned from India, my wife and I, and saw people with great need, and we came back to this country, and you know what we found? People with great need. People are the same in every culture. When you strip away the cultural context of that, but as I was sort of thinking about this morning, I want to share a very brief sort of word, if I may. You've already heard the scripture read from Luke chapter 1. And let me read the scripture, and then I'll ask a question, and then I'll seek to answer it as we sort of move toward our completion this morning. In Luke's gospel, chapter 1, uh, beginning at verse 30, the angel said to Mary, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and here we are today. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be 
no end. And then Mary said to the angel who was Gabriel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. How do we know that God is faithful when you lose a child? How do you know that God is faithful when your marriage goes sour? How do you know that God is good when you lose your job and you have financial difficulty? How do you know that God is good when your emotions go crazy and you wonder where God is? How do you know? Well, we can know something about God because God reveals Himself through the revelation of His Word. And we know something about God's faithfulness because God is a God who makes covenant with us. And as you begin to study the Scriptures, and some have spurned that endeavor in our day, presuming that the Word is not all that important, but as you study the Word of God from Genesis all the way through the Revelation, you'll find that God is a covenant-making God, and He is a covenant-keeping God. So that when life goes uh, adrift, when your faith begins to fail, when the circumstances of your life begin to turn against you, and emotionally you wonder if there is even a God, there is an anchor for our soul. And that anchor grips behind the veil into a very holy place. God has shown us about Himself in His Word. Now let me just summarize, if I may, something about covenant. Covenant is not contract. A contract is between two parties and where they agree to do something for each other that presumably is mutually beneficial. Covenant is not like that. And if we trace through the covenants that God has made with His people, we find that God has always uh, been the initiator of every covenant He's ever made. Why is that? Because I'm unfaithful. But God is always faithful. God is the one who does not change even though we change. Even though our circumstances change, God never changes and He has made covenant with the people. Well, let me just uh, share a couple of words about this. Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of every covenant God has made with His people. Which is to say, when God created the heavens and the earth, He made covenant with His creation. And He said, dress and kill and, or, or, and till the land and keep it. Be responsible for what I have made. And our duty then and our obligation was simply to obey Him. Uh, through covenant, God binds Himself to His creation and to His chosen people. Though you may feel like God is not present, God has bound Himself not only to what He has made in this earth, 
but He has bound Himself in love to you and me as a people. Uh, Through covenants, He makes known to us His purposes and His character. Doug and Beth both said to me on Friday evening, we know that God is good. Do you know that God is good when your life turns south, as it were? When cancer comes upon your body, when marriages break up, when we get to a ripe old age and we wonder what is our future, do you know that God is good really? When the chips are down, when everything else has been done and said, do you know that God is good? And how can we know that? Through covenants, God has given us, has set before us His provisions, and He has given to us our obligations. God says, this is my will. This is where I want you to walk. This is how I want you to live. And my expectation is that you, in obedient faith, would simply say, Yes, Lord. Have you said yes, Lord, today to that King who is Jesus? I know in a crowd like this, not everybody has because we're human. And some of us have questions that are yet to be answered. But I suggest to you that through covenant, God expects His people simply in obedient faith to live before Him wholeheartedly. One more thing I'll say about covenants. Uh, Covenants are always a foreshadowing of the ultimate accomplishment of God's purposes upon the earth. We, We see it way back in Genesis when, remember, the snake had tempted Adam and Eve and uh, they, they fell in their rebellion. They thought it was best to eat of the fruit. The snake, you remember, Satan comes in the form of a snake and he, he tempts them. And even early on, God says to them, guess what? I'm going to bruise the head of the snake. And He did it through a cross. Oh, He's going to bite you on the heel. And He did by crucifying His Son. But even then, we see the foreshadowing of God's ultimate victory and the place He's preparing for each one of us. Through covenants, God shows His purposes and His will. God's covenant with His creation. There's seven covenants. Really, more than that. I picked the high seven. And I just want to say a word or two about them to answer the question, how do you know that God is good? On what will you stake your life? Having a good job? Or a big home? Or three cars and a boat? Or a big bank account? Brothers and sisters, all of that can ebb and flow in life. Anybody know that besides me? But there is one who is faithful, and that is the God who makes covenant with us and keeps the covenant that He made. The first covenant is the covenant of creation. God binds Himself to His creation. Genesis 1.28, if you're interested in reading there later on your own time, God expects His people to dress, to kill, and to keep, to, and till, and to keep the earth of His making. We're to take dominion over it. We can't pollute the earth that we live in. 
Don't throw your trash out on the side of the road. Don't throw your cigarette butts out on the side of the road. You see, that's something about being a steward of what God has given to us. Dress the earth, till the earth, keep the earth, subdue the earth, and pass it on until I determine this earth has served its purpose. God makes covenant with us in creation. Secondly, God made a covenant with Noah. He is looking for a people who will walk before Him in righteousness. And if you begin to study the covenants of God, the covenant of creation, the covenant of Noah, we realize that God made man and women, and in their fallen state, God determined that He's going to start again. Now, you might not like that story any more than I do, or don't. But God said, I'm looking for a man who will live righteously, and He found that man in Noah. And what you see is God's faithfulness in the covenant of creation now finding its way to a family, Noah, and it foreshadows the coming of Jesus, an ark in which a family is saved. God was faithful. God is always faithful to His covenants, a foreshadowing of redemption by the picture of the ark in which Noah and his family were saved from the flood waters. Genesis 9, verse 3 and following. The covenant of creation. The covenant that God makes with Noah. He said, every time you see a rainbow in the sky, remember, I am a covenant-making and a covenant-keeping God. How do you know that God is faithful? God made a covenant with Abraham. God sovereignly chose a man and promises through him he would bless all of the families of the earth through a man named Abram. God sovereignly chose this man and said, through you. has nothing to do with Abraham, by the way. God said, I am going to choose you and through you all of the families of the earth will be blessed. And we are the direct recipients of that covenant faithfulness that God showed through Abraham. His selection was by grace. Genesis 12, Genesis 15. We see it ratified again in Genesis chapter 17. Abraham simply responded to God's call through obedient faith and said, here I am. See, that's all God wants from us. Obedient faith. God is the initiator of the covenant. God sets the stipulations and the obligations of the covenant. Our role in keeping covenant is simply to obediently live out our faith according to what His stipulations and obligations were as they were given in that covenant. Covenant of creation, covenant of Noah, uh, the covenant made with Abraham, ratified again to his son, Isaac, and then to Jacob, and then to the twelve tribes, and God is tracing a redemptive line of history from creation through Noah, through Abraham, through his sons, into the twelve, and God ultimately uh, makes a covenant with Israel. God made a covenant with Moses, and he set forth the law after the children of Israel were brought out of bondage in Egypt. God brought His people into the wilderness to worship Him. 
And at this mountain called Sinai, or Horeb, depending on which word is used, God made covenant with His people. And in the covenant of Moses, uh, God gives to Moses the Ten Commandments and the law. God sets forth the law on Sinai. He delivers His people from bondage and He teaches them through this covenant that sin is really serious. And if you're going to have relationship with me, Moses, and those whom you lead, you will do it on my terms, not yours. So He gave them the law, the moral law. He gave them the civil law, how to live their lives with each other. And He gave them the ceremonial law to show them and to prefigure Uh, that Jesus would come and that because our sin is so serious, it would require the shedding of blood. You can't just wink your sin away. You can't try to reform your sin away. You can't just stop drinking and smoking and cussing and hope that's good enough. Guess what? God is holy. And He said, this is what I require, the shedding of blood. So the people on Sinai, they heard the commands and their response was, we will do what you say. Well, by and by, you understand that they couldn't keep what God said. It wasn't in them to always respond obediently any more than it is within you to always respond obediently. Why is that? Because we're human. Our feet are made of clay. God knows how we are made. But in the covenant that Moses set forth, He shows the seriousness of sin, the requirement of blood in order to approach Him. God shows Himself righteous and holy, and He wants to be worshipped as so. Exodus 19, 4-6, and verse 8, if you'd like to read that on your own time. God made covenant with Moses, and through Him, God makes covenant with the children of Israel, the twelve tribes. God promises to give the land that He promised to Abraham. He promised to give it to the twelve tribes of Israel. To be their God and to adopt them as His people. You see, God wanted relationship with them, His children, just like He wants relationship with us, just like He wanted relationship with Adam when he walked in the cool of the day. But this thing, this insidious thing called sin crept in and stole away the promise of relationship. But God is a covenant-making God. And God is a covenant-keeping God. And fortunately, to be in relationship with God is not dependent upon you. Isn't that good news? You see, it's God's covenant that He makes with His people. God then gave a covenant to David, which is a specific reference in Luke chapter 1, uh, verse uh, 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and call him by the name Jesus. 32. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Now, most of us don't sort of, we don't understand what that means. It's an allusion to the covenant God made with uh, with David. And you can see in in Psalm 89, you can also look at 2 Samuel 7. John Rubel will be teaching 2 Samuel coming up in this next 
uh, semester, 2 Samuel 7, 16 and, and following, uh, where God through the prophet Nathan uh, says to David, your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you and your throne shall be established forever. You see, God is making covenant with David, even the David who committed adultery. How is that possible? Because it's not dependent upon David, it's dependent upon God. God is faithful, we are not. God makes covenant, we simply obey Him in faith the best we can. But beloved, when you fall, and you will, what are you depending upon? Yourself? That is a very squishy place to stand. There is a rock, however, who is Jesus. When you stand upon that rock, you will be secure even though you fall, even though you fail, because God didn't just stay with a covenant of creation. God didn't just show His faithfulness to a man called Noah. God didn't just say He would be faithful to Abraham and then to Isaac and then to Jacob. God didn't just say He would be faithful to David even in their unfaithfulness and God had to remove them from the promised land. The prophet was raised up and said, I will make a new covenant with this people. Why? Because God is faithful. God knows that we are dust. He knows we're not perfect. You understand that? And it is by grace that He said a new covenant I will give to you. This covenant will not rest upon the works of men. This covenant will rest upon the works of My one and only Son. You see, the apex of God's promise was that from the Davidic family line would come a descendant who would be the Messianic and eternal King. Beloved, we are standing at the ends, perhaps, of the earth. And God is saying, whosoever believes in Him, His Son, will find themselves in safety. They will be saved. Saved from their sin and delivered from its impact in our life. That's the God who is faithful. God's new covenant is the apex of the Davidic line. And He came... Uh, he became a descendant of the Messianic eternal King. Here's the summation of what I'm trying to say. How do you know God is faithful? Because He came to rule over a faithful Israel and all of the nations of the earth. In the New Covenant, He said, I would come, he would, this Messianic King would come out of a little city called Bethlehem. How do you know God is faithful? Because God sends His Son and He said His rule would be extended to the ends of the earth. God is ruling right now upon the earth whether He's ruling in your life or not. You see, the only question for you today is are you bringing yourself wholeheartedly in obedient faith in response to the faithful covenant that God's made with you? Just as you are. Don't try to clean yourself up. It's a good thing not to cuss or smoke or overdrink. But that's not what God is after. He's after a heart. He's after giving us a new nature. And that's the promise that Jer we find in the New Covenant, Jeremiah 31, verse 31. You see, in the New Covenant, God would send His Son, He would come out of Bethlehem. His rule would extend to the ends of the earth. 
he would be called the Lord our righteousness. You say, Steve, how do you know you're righteous? Guess what? I'm not. But because I have slipped into Jesus, or to more accurately say, Jesus has slipped into me, Jesus is my righteousness. If you're trying to be righteous in your own steam, give it up. Trust the God of the covenant who sent forth His Son to be the King to the ends of the earth. Simply take yourself just as you are and say, God, I simply want to obey You with faith. Begin to change my heart. That's what God's after. A covenant people. God would be called in Jesus, the Lord our righteousness. He would bring salvation and deliverance from our sin. There is no addiction that cannot be broken through the power of the resurrection. I have my addictions. And I've seen God break the power of it. Sometimes we need a process. Get in the process. But begin the process by coming to Jesus, the Messianic King. You see, the fulfillment of David's promise is the birth of Jesus announced by Gabriel to Mary, a devout daughter from the Davidic family. Covenant of creation, Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, the announcement, He will be called the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The Messianic promise involves Christ's resurrection from the dead. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't stay on a cross? Aren't you glad Jesus didn't stay in a tomb? He'd be just like you. But Jesus, by the power of the Father, was raised from the dead. And not only was He raised from the dead in resurrection, but He was exalted to the very right hand of God. Right now, from that exalted place, He has determined to pour out His Spirit so that He might live within you. That's God's covenant. That's God's promise. He would resource us. He would change our heart. He would empower us by giving us a new nature so that we can live obediently in faith before Him. Perfectly? No. But by the intentions of our heart, God sees Jesus. And He says, that person, I consider him righteous. I remind you of Abraham. He believed God and God credited, credited it, righteousness, to his account. Where does your righteousness come from? It comes from Jesus. Not only was Jesus raised from the dead, exalted to the right hand of the Father, He is right now Lord over all of the nations of the earth. And He is also Lord over His church. Uh, There is in fact coming a final return of Jesus. One of these days, He will come back for His bride. Those who are made part of His body by a supernatural birth. Those who have simply said, here am I. I want to walk before you in simple faith. Jesus will return. And when He returns, at some point in that future return, He will set up a millennial reign over all the nations of the earth. Think of the big, bad bullies right now around the globe. When Jesus comes back and sets it straight, there will be no big, bad bullies. There will simply be one king over the nations of the earth that all have bowed their knee to King Jesus. 
You see, when we read this from Luke chapter 1, it says that He will build an everlasting kingdom. This everlasting kingdom is seen ultimately in a new heaven and a new earth in which dwells righteousness. Those who are made righteous by the covenant blood that Jesus shed on our behalf. Beloved, in that day, Doug and Beth, on that day, there will be no more pain. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more tears. The only sorrow and the only tears that are worth shedding on that day is that I have not known Him and I've tried to live my life in the power of my own steam. Because, beloved, if that is the case, you will not be part of that kingdom. But here's the invitation. God has engraved His name on the palms of His hands. He's engraved your names on the palms of His hands. And He's reaching out to every one of us every moment of every day. The question is, do we have ears to hear? And do we have a heart to respond? Get rid of all the religious gobbledygook. Where is Jesus in your life today? Dean, would you come and I want to give us just a chance to respond, but I want to read the Scripture again from Luke uh, chapter 1, verse 31 and following. And behold, Mary, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, Gabriel said. You shall call His name Jesus, for He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give to Him the throne that He promised to His father David. And He will reign over the house of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob forever and forever. And of His kingdom there will be no end. Beloved, that's the kingdom into which God invites each one of us today. Would you stand where you are? If you want to make a fresh commitment to Jesus, now what does that mean? That means if you want to respond to the covenant-making and the covenant-keeping God because something's just not right in your heart, only you know that, you can do that today. There's not a lot of fault or all. You don't have to walk the aisle. and You need to simply open your heart and say, God, here I am. Forgive me of my sin, my self-centeredness, my shallowness, my pettiness, my gossiping, my backbiting, all that stuff that's part of our human nature. Thank You for the blood of Jesus by which You promised to cover all of my sin and forgive me. And God, empower me by Your Spirit to live a life that's sold out before You in these days on which we live upon the earth. If that's Your desire, as we close, I want you to do something. In America, the great 
gospel enterprise, we try to make everybody comfortable. Guess what? We serve a king to whom every knee will bow and every tongue confess to the glory of God the Father. If you need to make a commitment of any type, we're not judging that commitment. I'm making a fresh one today. I'm going to ask you to slip out into the middle aisle or even come forward. That's all we're going to do. That's your saying to Jesus, I'm making this commitment. We're not going to ask you what commitment it is. This is between you and Jesus. Start to move right now. Let's worship the Lord and we'll simply end with this song. Come on, beloved. Don't worry about your pride. Pride's not going to keep you on that. Press on up here if you need to. I'm making my fresh commitment.
God sees your step. He sees our hearts. God sees our acts of obedience done in faith. And beloved, God is pleased with what He sees. He is good. He has made covenant. He has kept covenant. And He will keep His covenant until we are removed from this place and live in the midst of His kingdom forever. Father, would You bless Your people today? Would You continue to pour out Your Spirit and release those rivers of living water throughout the fabric of our lives? God, would You cause us to be seasoned by Your presence, that people would see that You are good through our attitudes, even when we're, when we're angry, God, even when we're in the flesh, would you allow the Spirit of Jesus to seep through our humanity so that this world would be able to say, God, you are good and your mercies endure forever. We are, in fact, raising, we've raised up a fund in order to send Doug and Beth over to the Congo for the celebration of the Logo Tea uh, New Testament that they have worked on for well over 25 years. If you would like to give to that fund and perhaps a couple of others who we're being asked to send someone from this church, uh, simply make checks out to next week would be fine, the weeks after would be fine, but simply write the right travel uh, and uh, we will receive those offerings and bless them. They wouldn't want you to know this, but they purchased tickets already in faith out of their own savings. Father, bless your people and pour out your spirit afresh. God, would you renew, would you renew our hearts? And would you cause us in these days to live for the praise of your glory alone? And everybody said together, Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Continue just to linger in the presence of Jesus. Those of you who are visiting, thank you for allowing us to be real this morning. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.